Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Our journey begins in Jerusalem, the city of our God, the place where God Himself chose to dwell among us. It was the place where the Son of God would lay down His life for the sins of the world, only to raise from the dead just three days later, declaring His power and authority over hell and the grave. And it was from here that the followers of Jesus would head out to the four corners of the world to literally turn the world upside down. From this small nation in the Middle East, every nation in the world would be blessed. From this small group of people, the world would be forever changed. Imagine growing up in a world where there had never been a church on any street corner, never a revival service where people's lives were radically changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, imagine a society where there were no hospitals, no orphanages, no humanitarian relief organizations, because there had never been a people so radically transformed by selflessness and compassion that they were compelled to serve and care for people outside their own extended family. This was the world that the 11 remaining disciples and a few faithful followers of Jesus lived in in the first century. But all of this was about to change, not because of social revolution, but because of a single resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. Easter Sunday truly was the one day that changed everything. After the resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples and tells them that his mission had been completed. This mission to bring God's kingdom to earth and to pay the price so that all imperfect people could have a personal, powerful relationship with a perfect God. And now the time had come that his mission would become their mission. And in the very last verses of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus told them, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. See, this mission would no longer be contained in one person, the person of Jesus. It would now be carried by His people. And they had to feel just a little bit overwhelmed. Really, Jesus? All nations? All people? They had to be thinking, who, us? Really, remember Peter, the one who denied you, and Thomas, the one who is still doubting you? And there are so few of us and so many against us. Yeah, and even though the odds seemed stacked against them, all of heaven was cheering for them. And so as the gospels that recorded the life of Jesus came to a close, a new book was being written called The Acts of the Apostles. On every page, we see firsthand accounts of ordinary people who performed extraordinary miracles, fearful followers who become powerful evangelists. And in Acts 17, just a few short years into their mission, the message of the resurrection of Jesus was carried to Europe. And it was there in Thessalonica that an angry mob captured Paul and Silas. And when they brought them before the city officials, they shouted that these are the men who have been turning the world upside down. Yeah, this mission had now become a movement that turned the first century world upside down. But this movement would not end when the book of Acts came to a close. This movement, marked by radical sacrifice and generosity and community, is still ushering in God's presence and power so that the lost can be found and the hopeless can find hope. 
This movement we're talking about is his church. This is our story. Yeah, and just like any other movement, this movement had a birthplace, a ground zero. Jerusalem is the city where it all began. And there was a very specific place where the match was lit that would become a fire that would spread across the globe and turn this world upside down. It all happened one day, one day that seemed like any other day. One day as the believers gathered together in an upper room, much like this. See, after his resurrection, Jesus told his followers to go and wait in Jerusalem for the gift that the Father had promised, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So 120 men and women gathered here for days, waiting and praying for this gift of the Holy Spirit that would come and change everything. Now they weren't even sure they knew what they were waiting for. Still they prayed and they, they worshiped and they waited for 10 days. And then on that 10th day, it says in the book of Acts chapter two, that suddenly a sound like the blowing of a rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, can you imagine what it was like to be in that room that day? They were praying like they had prayed for days before, but this day, the Holy Spirit came and filled the room like a rushing mighty wind and tongues of fire rested on each of them and they began to speak in unknown tongues. And they rushed out into the streets of Jerusalem to tell people about Jesus. See, there was a purpose to the power. The powerful move of the Holy Spirit in their lives wasn't just for them. It really wasn't even a, about them. It was about what the Holy Spirit had for them to do, who he needed them to be. It was a, the prerequisite that Jesus talked about when he said, you have to go and wait in Jerusalem for the power and the person of the Holy Spirit to fill you so that you can be who you're called to be and, and do what I have for you to do. And the same is true for you and me. We, we can't be who we're called to be or do what God has called us to do without His Holy Spirit filling our lives completely. So filled with the Holy Spirit, the followers of Jesus move into the streets of Jerusalem, boldly proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. Filled with the Holy Spirit, the believers rush out of the upper room into the streets of Jerusalem. And Bible scholars believe they would have come right here to these steps leading up to the temple. See, it was here that large crowds would gather to hear people teach and preach about different matters. It was here that the people would be going to worship that day. And in fact, it was here on these steps that Jesus would come and heal the sick and open up blinded eyes and tell people about the good news of God's grace. So it makes sense that those spirit-filled believers would come right here to tell people about Jesus and who he was and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Now it's significant that they were all speaking in languages they didn't know because it tells us in the book of Acts that there were Jews from every nation on earth here for the festival of Passover. 
and Peter stands up right here and preaches the sermon of his life. Now remember, Peter is the one who denied Jesus on the day he was captured and crucified. He left Jesus all alone after committing to die with him. So you could think, why should Peter be the one to get up and preach? I mean, Peter, how could you deny Jesus? You were there when he healed the blind man. You saw the little girl get, get raised back to life. You saw Lazarus come out of the tomb. So how could you deny Jesus when he needed you the most? I mean, you would think that that might disqualify him from preaching the main message on Pentecost. And maybe even Peter himself felt a little disqualified. Listen, don't you dare believe that anything you've done has disqualified you from God's best for your life. He believes in you more than you believe in yourself. We say this all the time around our church, your destiny is so much greater than your history. And in this house, we won't hold your past against you, man, we're gonna hold your future out in front of you, amen? So Peter preaches to the crowd that day. He tells them all about Jesus, who he is and what he did. And then at the end of Acts chapter two, verse 37, it says this, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? In response to that request, what shall we do? In verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be, say that word with me out loud, baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Repent and be baptized. To repent means to admit that you're heading in the wrong direction, that you need God to step into your life, you need Jesus to be the Lord and the director of your life. The word actually means to turn, like you're heading in one direction with your life and you turn and stop and say, God, I'm gonna follow your direction. And you make a 180 degree turn to follow the plans that God has for your life. Being a Christian isn't about praying a prayer at the end of a sermon and then going on with life as normal. Being a Christian actually means following Jesus. Have you done that? Have you repented of your sins and committed to follow Jesus? I'm not talking about being perfect because none of us are, but I'm talking about a complete surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that yet, and it's a secret to you finding everything that you're searching for. In just a few minutes, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer to do just that. But notice that Peter doesn't stop there. He says, repent and be baptized. And it says that the 3,000 people were baptized that day. Not far from here is the Pool of Siloam, a large pool that would have been used by people to cleanse themselves before they came to the temple to worship. And it's in the place that scholars now believe was the site of the baptismal service on the day of Pentecost. Let me take you there. This is the Pool of Siloam, just recently discovered here in Jerusalem. And scholars believe this was a large mikvah or ritual bath where people would come on their way to temple to be ceremonially cleansed before worship. Those same scholars believe that this is also the place where the large baptism took place on the day of Pentecost because it's the only place big enough to baptize 3,000 people in one single day. So just imagine, this is the spot on the day of Pentecost after the people hear Peter's sermon that they come and respond and they repent and are baptized. Well, today I wanna to talk to you about the spiritual significance of baptism in your life and the difference it'll make. Notice it says in verse 41, they believed in the message and were baptized. They believed and then they were baptized. 
Everywhere throughout the Bible, we read about people coming to faith in Jesus Christ and then being baptized. It's why we call it believer's baptism. See, all throughout the New Testament, we see people were baptized after they put their faith in Jesus. Now, often when we talk about baptism, people ask me, they say, Todd, I was baptized as a baby. Does that count? Let me say this. Your infant baptism, I'm sure it was a beautiful thing. I'm sure it was special for your family and your parents, but I'm betting that you don't remember much about it, do you? Wait, 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 wait. White outfit, puffy cheeks. Nah, you just saw the picture, buddy. You can't remember it, and it probably didn't mean anything spiritual to you. Nothing wrong with infant baptism, except it's not the same thing as believer's baptism. Your parents' desire to dedicate you to God, to, to raise you in the truth of God's word, it's awesome, but it's not believer's baptism. So here's what I want you to know. Baptism isn't a cute ceremony, it's a defining declaration. Let me say that again. Baptism isn't some cute little ceremony that we take pictures, it's a defining declaration as a believer. And there are three declarations that you make when you're baptized. First, you're declaring, I believe in Easter. Remember what we celebrated last Sunday? Well, when you're baptized, you're declaring, I believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That it's not just some holiday in the springtime and an excuse to eat Reese's peanut butter eggs, which happen to be my favorite, or to buy some new clothes. No, it's what I build my life on. The work that Jesus did on the cross, it was for me personally. And by his power over death and sin, I have life today. So when you're baptized, you're actually giving a picture of Easter to the world. Listen to this verse in Romans chapter 6, verse 3. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into a new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what the baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we're lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. And when we're raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you see that? Baptism is this external expression of an internal work of grace. It represents the, the resurrection power of Jesus in your life. Now, it's important to mention that baptism won't save you. Only putting your faith in Jesus and his work on the cross is gonna save you, but we can't see your salvation. Like, I can't see what happens on the inside of you. So baptism is this outward expression of what God has done on the inside of you. When you're baptized, and I know that many of you are gonna make that declaration today. You're gonna to be declaring, I believe in Easter personally. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross was for me. The second declaration that we make in baptism is out with the old, in with the new. And by the way, who doesn't like new, right? New clothes, new shoes, smell of a new car. And I'm not talking about that new car spray that they put in at the car wash that doesn't quite smell right, does it? But there's nothing as special is when God comes in and makes everything new on the inside of you. Colossians chapter two, verse two says this, going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did with Christ. Did you hear that? It's the burial of your old life. When you're baptized, you're saying, I'm dying to my old sins. They're forgiven, they're out of my life. I'm walking a brand new life in Christ. See, when you turn your life over to Jesus and invite the Holy Spirit to live in you, you don't have to live with sin anymore. You're not in bondage to your old ways. The power of sin is actually broken over your life. We're free. Now that doesn't mean you won't struggle with sin or your old ways, we all do. We're not gonna wake up the next day and be like, you know, Mother Teresa with the heavenly choir singing over us while we eat our breakfast. No, it's a process. 
As you allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in you, he's actually changing you, making the nature and character of Christ more evident in your life. And when the old life pops its head up, like it will, you go, that's the old me. I don't want that anymore. I'm walking in a new life. I'm walking out my faith one step at a time, one day at a time. And when you're baptized today, you're gonna to be declaring, my old life does not define me. My, my past does not predict my future. My destiny is greater than my history. I wonder who needs to make that declaration in church today, come on. So the first declaration of baptism is I believe in Easter. The second is out with the old, in with the new. And the third declaration, and this one is really important. Like if you forget the first two, don't forget this one. In baptism, you are declaring, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I follow Jesus. I identify myself with him. See, for the early church, baptism was really all about identification, identifying themselves with the way, the way of Jesus. They were saying, I'm a follower of this teacher from Galilee, the Messiah. I'm identifying my life with his life and his truth and his teachings. Now in our culture today, we understand identifying with certain tribes or groups of people, don't we? Like we can identify with our sports teams. We love our teams, man. You turn on uh, the TV during football season and you see people cheering on their teams, painting their faces, getting crazy. When it's soccer season, the stadiums are full, the fans are cheering, wearing the team jersey. But if we're gonna identify with anybody, better be Jesus, right? Let's wear his team jersey because he's the only one that'll never leave you and never forsake you. Galatians 3:27 says this, your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start, it also involved dressing you in adult faith wardrobe, Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. See, baptism isn't about belonging to a church, it's about belonging to a savior. It's about identifying with Jesus, saying I am his and he is mine. So if you've given your heart to Jesus and haven't been baptized yet, I would simply ask you, why not? Why haven't you followed Jesus in one of the most simple acts of obedience? Now, there are a few excuses that people give every time we have a baptism service. One person said, well, I'm afraid of water. And some people actually have a fear of water. We had one lady in our church who had put off getting baptized because of her fear of water. And when she finally got into the baptismal tank, she wouldn't let the pastor take her down. She was like, no, I'm not going, not happening. He tried three times and she was bigger than him. Finally, she decided that if she could just dip down instead of go backwards, she'd be good. And it worked and it counted. So if you have a fear of water, we're gonna help you out with that. Other people give the excuse, man, I didn't bring a towel or a change of clothes to church with me. That's okay. We got you covered. We got dry shirts and we've got clean towels for you. And it's South Florida. You're bound to get rained on at least a couple times this week anyway, right? I've heard people say before, well, Todd, my, my faith is private. And I would say, although your faith is personal, it better not be private. In fact, the Bible says your faith needs to be very public. Jesus doesn't want any secret admirers. He doesn't want any undercover Christians. In fact, Paul declares in Romans chapter one, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So your faith better not be private. It's time for you to go public. It's a declaration of your association with Jesus. Other people have told me, well, I need to pray about it a little bit more. And I'm like, really? You need to pray about it? We're not talking about you moving to India to work on the mission field. We're just talking about you obeying Jesus, right? You don't need to pray about obeying Jesus. You just need to obey Jesus today. Or you might think, well, it's just kind of all inconvenient. Gotta go change my clothes. My family's gonna have to wait on me. My hair's gonna get wet. Just inconvenient, Todd. 
Well, let me tell you about a guy who started coming to Christ Fellowship through church online because he couldn't get out of the house. His name was Dwight, and Dwight was a paraplegic, basically restrained to his bed or wheelchair seven days a week. Dwight was struggling with some depression and discouragement, and someone told him to check out Christ Fellowship Church online, and so he did. And he ended up giving his heart to Jesus, and Jesus stepped in and filled his life with joy and peace. And he jumped in and started volunteering, leading a, a small group online. And then Dwight realized he had never been baptized as a believer, and he wanted to obey Jesus. So Dwight got his parents to bring him to church, which was a whole new adventure for all of them. And we performed a special baptism just for Dwight so he could declare his faith in Jesus. How great is that right there? Dwight is now in heaven, by the way, and I believe he's looking down on all of us, probably thinking, what's your excuse? But you know, there's really only one valid excuse. And that would be if you've never really turned your life over to Jesus, if you've never personally accepted what he did for you on the cross. So today, I'm gonna to give you that opportunity to pray and turn your life over to Jesus. And then I want every one of you that haven't been baptized to take that spiritually significant step of faith and obedience and get baptized today. And to declare with your life that you belong to Jesus campus teams are going to come as we pray together today. And church, I just want you to know I love you and I'm excited that today is going to be a day where you personally recognize what Jesus did for you and respond with a celebration of baptism. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Jesus, we want to thank you for the new life that you gave to all of us. You come into our lives, you wash us clean, you make us new, you give us a new start, you fill our lives with joy and peace. And God, I pray for those today they are going to go public with their faith in baptism. Let this day be a spiritual marker in their lives. As we continue to pray with every head bowed, if you're here today and you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, but you want it, you want him to step in and make everything new on the inside of you, I'm gonna pray this second prayer. And if you want me to include you in this prayer, then right where you are, would you just raise your hand in the air? That's it. Just say, Todd, include me in this prayer. Hold him up high. We're gonna pray this prayer together. And those of you with your hands raised, this is your prayer. So say it a little bit louder. Just say this, say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Make me a new person from the inside out. And I will follow you the best I know how for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.